0: And the reason we're calling it Vision Quest as we look forward together is because uh, we understand that, that God has a vision for his church. Both corporately for all churches, but also for specific churches that he has called to a specific place in time with specific people in a specific community to do a specific work for the building of the kingdom of God. In fact, what a vision is, like if I were to define for you, what is vision? Vision is a clear and compelling picture of a preferred future that moves people to action. Right? It's a clear and compelling picture of a, a preferred future, a fer- preferred picture of what's out there by which we are called to move forward into that vision. And in the church, what that means is that God has a picture for us, a picture for our future, by which he calls us to respond to that picture, to step into what he wants us to be. And the way that that often works is like this. If you look at this picture and you think about this picture for a moment, I just want you to look at it and what do you see in that picture? Pick out what are the things that come or just readily come to you as you look at this picture? Just think about that for a moment. Some of you probably right away said well, well i see that there's a road and that that road is leading somewhere right and there's these big mountains out in the distance that it looks like that road is heading towards right and then after you see that then some of you start to to go well and, and i see just by the look of the road or, or or the terrain next to the road is probably a more desertous place heading towards the mountains and Somebody actually last night as they uh, were looking at this and started putting all the pieces together and go, actually, I think I've driven down that road. So, but, uh, but then maybe as you start looking at it more and more, you look at the end of the road and it almost looks like maybe there's a town there. Kind of distant, kind of seeable, but not. you can't really make out all the details. And then beyond those mountains, if you look beyond the mountains to the left, you see more mountains, don't you? And you really start to look at it. And what happens with a picture is, is there are certain features that, that you can see a lot of detail to. In fact, usually it's those, pi- those pieces that are closest to you. That's where you see a lot of the details. And then the things that are more distant, you see, but, but they're a little blurry. You can't see the exact details. But if you kept going down this road, what would happen? Well, the things that were right here that you saw the details of start to fade into the background. And then the things that are in the distant future come nearer so that you can see them in a more clear and compelling way. And the things that were in the way distant start to come closer and nearer, right? And and that's a vision of how God leads forward his people. In fact, it's a little bit like this. Uh, Some of you, retirement was in that very far distant future. And over the years, it has gotten a lot closer. Some of you now, your retirement is in the past. Same thing with college. When you got to high school, when you were a freshman in high school, college was on the horizon, right? Still a little bit distant, still a little bit fuzzy. What am I going to be? Uh, what major am I going to take? What's it going to look like? Where am I going to go to college? But it was there, just not the details formed yet. Then you got to college, and high school was in the past, and your career was in the future. And then right, and it kept going like that until some of you were like, man, I don't even remember college. That's so far gone. Right? And that's how God leads His people Forward. In fact, we see this in the Old Testament where God led his people, but he did it by a a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. And the people left Egypt, and he says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Now, none of you have ever been there. But here's what it's like. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and it's a land where you will have your own land, and, and, and you will raise a vineyard of which you didn't plant, and I haven't prepared for you, but, but you'll raise your own crops, and you'll have your own animals, and you will live free. And so for them, that was in the distant future because Egypt was in the present, and the wilderness was right in front of them. But as they faithfully followed God through the wilderness towards the promised land, the the wilderness drew closer and went past them as the promised land came to the forefront. And God led them because it's, it's His people, right? Just like grace, grace is not ours, grace is God's, it's his church, it's his name on it, it's his vision, it's his picture, it's where he wants to lead us into the future. But as he leads us, one of the first questions that we need to ask God is, is why are we here? Like, what is our purpose? One of my favorite authors right now is somebody named Simon and if you don't know who Simon Sinek is, he writes on leadership, uh, all sorts of books. And one of his most famous books, he did a TED talk on this, uh, was about the golden circle. And he says, This is why some companies are so successful versus other companies, right? So he would say things like this So, so why is Apple so successful? Because they sell computers? Well, no, a lot of companies sell computers, right? or why is starbucks so successful i saw some of you bringing that in i brought my starbucks in this morning too right like why is starbucks so successful because they sell like six dollar coffees right like you could do better than that at home right Like, like it doesn't cost that much to create coffee at home but but why are they so successful because they sell their why this is why we exist not what do we sell you but why and that's when you understand your why, everything else falls into place. So how are we going to do that? And now what are we going to do in response to that? And it's no different for us as a church that we ask God, God, why did you call us to be here at this time in this place and to do what? And so we have been, for the past uh, couple months, going through this process, this upward-onward process, and we invited you to be a part of it, to be a part of the listening sessions, uh, to speak into this, to talk about, you know, what is it about our community, and what is it about grace, and what is it about what God's blessed us with, so that we would understand why have you called us into existence. And after going through those listening sessions, We came up with over, like, right around 200 pieces of paper that you supplied to us of different pictures and understandings of why grace came into existence. And and we had a leadership team that prayed over this and and, and scoured through this and spent hours and hours poring over all that God was speaking through you. Because God always speaks through his people, does he not? We see that throughout the scriptures. Whether it is through the apostles or the prophets or the kings or the judges or, or just through God's people who, who are sitting in his churches, God speaks through his people. And so speaking through you, we poured through that and prayed about it and asked God, God, why does grace exist? And then after taking 200 sheets of paper, we compiled it into one sentence. It was quite a long process, but a blessed one at that. And what we came to find out is that that there were some clear themes that came out of it. And the clearest theme that came out of it is this sentence that is going to be our mission statement that we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks, Our, our why, about why we exist here at Grace. And our mission statement is this. Would you read this with me at the top? Grace is a family growing in Christ while reaching out in love. Now, when we came up with this, the next question was, well, where does the Bible say this? Because if scripture doesn't say it, then it can't be because then that would just be us and not God, right? And it shouldn't be us, it should be God. And so I spent time just pouring through the scriptures and I, as I was praying about this, I came across this passage from 2 Thessalonians 1.3, right? Uh, any of you read 2 Thessalonians? Like we don't, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on 2 Thessalonians, so it's just a God thing coming across this. And all three themes are in this one verse would you read this verse with me we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing do you see all three themes in that one verse right Like, we give thanks for you brothers, brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, a family, because your faith is growing abundantly. You are growing in Christ. We're going to talk about that next weekend. We're not just growing, we're growing in Christ in a very specific way. And the love of every one of you is increasing. You are reaching out in love, and that is increasing abundantly towards other people. We are reaching out in love. Today, what we want to do, though, is to focus just on that first part. What does it mean to be a family? Or what does it mean that, that at Grace, we are having or we, we are growing towards having a very family-focused ministry and a church that's very diverse with a lot of different shapes and sizes to our families. What does it mean for us to be a family-focused ministry? So let's talk about that this morning. The text we're going to look at is from Matthew chapter 12. It was our gospel reading, and it says this. While Jesus was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And so in this text, as Jesus is teaching, his family by blood comes to him, right? And they're like standing outside, they're calling him and say, we want to talk to you. Now, why did they want to talk to him? Well, if you read previous to this, they come to talk to him, not because they're so proud of him, not because they're so happy about what he's doing. If you, in fact, if you read Mark chapter three, verses 20 and 21, it says that when his family heard what he was doing, they went out to seize Jesus, for they were saying he is out of his mind. You ever say that to your children? Like you're out of your mind, right? Like, like, do you even listen to yourself? Do you even see what you're doing? They're like that is not how we act in this family. Right? I know some of you have said that. I have said that to my children, right? And that's what his family's doing to him. They're like, like, Jesus, you're out of your mind. Do you even listen to what you're saying? Stop it. This is not what we do in our family. Let's go home. So they go to seize him. To take him so that he might be obedient to them. Now what Jesus is about to say is not disrespectful. It's not passive aggressive. And he is not saying you are not my family. He is saying I just want to radically redefine family. But the reason he does this is because he understands that he doesn't need an intervention for what he's doing. And what he's saying, what he's teaching and the miracles he is performing but jesus was so rejected by his own family that it says in the scriptures when he went to his hometown that he read the scroll and he said to the people you know what this that you just heard read this is about me today this is fulfilled in your midst it's about me i'm the son of man i'm the son of god i am god and said that the people tried to kill him like that's how much he was rejected by his own family And so what Jesus is about to say is a radical redefinition of family. And the reason that this is necessary is because he understands what those who are Jewish who become Christian are about to face. And it is a great difficulty. In fact, I I came to understand this when I was at seminary in St. Louis. When I was at seminary in St. Louis, I had the opportunity to do a cross-cultural experience. And the cross-cultural experience I was assigned to do was to be a part of a Jewish LCMS congregation in the St. Louis area. So it was those who, who were Jewish, grew up in a Jewish family, practiced the Jewish faith, With which if you understand the Jewish faith, it's not just a faith, it's a culture. Like it's a whole lifestyle, right? So, so, you, so we might be more familiar maybe with, with the Amish. It's, it's a faith, but it's also a lifestyle, right? And so, so they have this Jewish faith and lifestyle, But in hearing about Jesus, they became, they came to believe in Jesus, but now their life is is radically different, but they still hold to some of their Jewish roots and practices. And so I would go to their worship services on Saturday morning. Why Saturday mornings? Well, because they still practice that as their Sabbath day now if you've ever said man that was a long service today at like an hour and five or an hour and ten minutes um let me tell you that their services were about three hours long and if you've ever said man pastor had a really long sermon i know none of you would ever say that but man pastor's sermon was really long today their sermons were over an hour long right so i'm not there yet okay so i'm not kidding i won't be there so not just yet but uh but but over an hour long two hours to three hours for their service. After their service was over, they would always go and they would have lunch together and they would spend time together. And I would hear their stories, stories of pain, stories of rejection, stories of being ostracized by their family. So that grandparents would not come to the birthday parties and graduation parties of their own children, because by becoming Christian, they rejected them from the family. So when Jesus radically redefines family, he is reminding them many of you will be put out of your physical family because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So you need to understand that you have a greater family. That, that there is something greater than just your blood that holds you together because there is no bond stronger than blood but the bond that is the, the, the blood that is the bond that holds us together in a greater way is the blood of Jesus Christ it's that strength that holds us together In fact, many times when I do a wedding I will tell the couple as they're standing in front of the altar That the truth of your marriage is, is that your marriage will only be as strong as the strongest person in your marriage and will be as weak as the weakest person at their weakest time. And so if a marriage falls apart, it's because that strongest person wasn't strong enough to hold it together. And if it falls apart, it's because the weakest person was weak enough that, that the brokenness and the pain and the suffering of life caused whatever that brokenness was to fracture the marriage. But if Jesus is at the center for both of both couple, for both people. If Jesus is at the center, then he is stronger than anything and there is no weakness at all. And he holds it together. It's his blood that holds it together. And so Jesus, in speaking in this way, hears that his parents, his mother and his brothers are calling to him and saying, saying come and see us. And, and it says, Jesus replied and says, well, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand to make no mistake, he says, he says, here, you see everyone here? He says, these are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. He says, says those who are part of my family are those who follow me by faith. My family is my disciples. And so my disciples then raise up their family in such a way that they know the one who is their true father, their father in heaven. In fact, we see this throughout the scriptures where it is actually the parents who are called to be the the, the most important primary discipler of their children. I once had a pastor, and some of you heard me say this before, who say we sometimes we get religious instruction and confirmation backwards. That oftentimes in confirmation, what we do is we teach the children and bless the parents. But what we should actually be doing is teaching the parents and blessing the children. Because the most important discipler in a family is not the pastor or the DCE or the grade school teacher. It's mom and dad. Because who actually gets more time with the children? Who gets greater influence or should have a greater influence? That's why you get Deuteronomy 6, one of the most famous passages even in the Jewish faith today, the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. One of The most important passages, central, kind of their creedal statement in the Jewish faith. And then it goes on and says, and so moms and dads, so, so a community, so the family of faith, so the, the congregation, you shall teach this to your children. You shall impress it upon it. You shall teach them when they wake up and when they go to bed, when you walk along the road, or for us today, it would be when you drive on your way to sports practices or to school, right? Like when you're driving on the way and when, when they're doing their homework and when you're sitting around the dinner table or eating McDonald's in your car on the way to sports practices, whatever that is, right? It's not all of us eat, around dinner tables anymore. But whatever that is, you should teach them then. You shall tie it on, on a, as a front lip in your, on your forehead, on your hands, which is why if you go to Israel, sometimes you see those who are Jewish who have these little boxes on their forehead and their hands that inside would be a little scroll with the Shema on it. It says, and you shall put it on the, the, the doors of your house and on its walls, which is why religious art is such a beautiful thing and follows Deuteronomy 6. Or Joshua, when we heard in our Old Testament reading, says to the people of Israel, he says, 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 you're about to go out into this land, this land that God has promised you. We're about to enter the promised land. And now you have to make a decision. He says, who are you going to serve? Will you serve the gods around you? Will, will you serve these foreign gods? Will you serve your own passions, your own desires, your own things? Or will you serve the Lord? And then he goes, but as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's something that every family needs to ask. Like what do we serve first? Do we serve our own passions? Do we serve athletics? Do we serve academics? Do I serve my job first? Or does our family serve the Lord first? What's first? What gets the most time and effort and energy? Jesus is calling us to be a family. A family of faith that is held together by something stronger than ourselves. It's held together by the blood of Jesus Christ. So to be a family-focused ministry uh, has some implications. And these are some of the implications. The first one is, is if we're a family, then we're going to be a caring community. Because that's what family does, right? Like we care for each other. Now we care for each other in different ways. So uh, like in in my house, when my children uh, scrape their knees, they usually run for Mom. The reason is, is because um, I'm the kind of dad that's like, eh, it's not bleeding that bad, you're okay, get back out there and keep playing, right? And mom is the one, because that's, that's how my wife is, which is awesome, and she pulls him on her lap, and it's okay, and she cuddles him, right? But we care for one another. We look out for each other. We help one another in their time of need. We show love and grace to one another. One of the most central aspects that we need to show to each other because we are imperfect people and we are always going to make mistakes. And as as I said before, if you don't realize that in your marriage that the biggest problem in your marriage is you and not your spouse, then you don't know yourself well enough. If the biggest problem is you and not your children, then you don't know yourself well enough. That I need more grace than anybody else I know, but so do all the people around me. We all need that love and that grace and that forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. And so we give it to one another. We fight for and alongside of and not with each other. And I know that there are times where, in your family, if you kept children, they probably fight, right? But we don't just fight with, we fight for and alongside of each other for what God is doing. In my family, when I was growing up, my little sister was my dad's favorite. She just was. Like we all admit it. In fact, my sister even admits it. We, and, and we always use this story to prove it. And, and here, here's what happened. So we had this little dog and our dog broke its hip. And it was going to cost two to three thousand dollars to fix this dog's hip. And we are like, we're not spending two to $3,000 to fix this dog's hip. Until my sister climbed up on my dad's lap, looked at him and goes, but daddy, please. Guess what we spent two to $3,000 doing? Fixing a dog's hip, right? But I will tell you this, while we made fun of her about this and, and basically about everything for being mom and dad's favorite, like if anybody messed with my sister, guess what the rest of the family would do? Like there was only one person who could mess with my sister and that was me. Anybody else who did it, they were in trouble. But that's what a family does. We stand up for each other. We encourage each other. We build each other up. We speak well about each other. A family actively participates in the family according to your roles and gifts. Like we don't all have the same roles. Like in my house, I don't cook. And my children are very thankful for that. Because if I cooked, either they would be sick Or uh, they would not weigh anything, right? Like, because no one's eating when I cook. I'll grill, but I'm not cooking, right? So, but I have other roles in my family. We all have roles. Here at Grace, some people are gifted with being able to sing and play and some are gifted to be able to run the AV booth. Some are gifted in, in working with children and so they, they serve in Jam or Thrive or Ignite with youth ministry or they, they serve in our Christian day school. Some are good at showing care and so they serve in our Celebrate Recovery ministry and, and they serve in other capacities in care ministry. There's a tons of different ways in which we are all gifted to serve, but we're just called to actively participate in the family according to our roles, because that's what family does. We grow and learn together in safety, because we know that as we grow and learn, we're going to make mistakes. We all do. But if, as we see in our families, you grow and you learn in the safety of understanding that that, that we continue to learn together, then we're going to faithfully go where God leads us, and that we are open and inviting and welcoming to others, to invite them into our family, to be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. Over the past few months, I've had the opportunity that when people mark uh, first-time guests on the connection cards, and then they leave their phone number, many times I'll, I'll just call to welcome them, say, you know, glad that you were here. And, and can I tell you what the most common response is for those who say, you know what, uh, thanks for giving a, me a call, and we're actually going to come back is, do you, do you know why they say they're willing to come back? It's not because I called them. They were willing to come back because they said, you know what, somebody came up to me and said, you know what, I've never met you before. I, I, I don't really know you. But my name is, and, 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 and I'm glad that you're here this morning. And they say, oh, we're guests or visitors. Oh, really? Well, let me tell you about Grace. And they felt welcomed into the family. And I love hearing those stories of those who feel welcomed into what God is doing here at Grace. They're open and inviting. I and mean, we understand that as we're open and inviting, that it's not about our preferences, but it's about the lives of people who enter here because we're not always gonna see things the same way. Families don't always see things the same way. Uh, An image of that is a wedding again, right? Like when a couple gets married, there are times where one of the spouses will go, well, this is how we do Christmas, and the other spouse will go, but this is how we do Christmas, and then one of them goes, well, I don't know why you do it that way, we do it the right way. And the other one goes, no, 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 our way is the right way, not your way. It's like, but yeah, but that's how our family does it. And, but that's how our family, right? And, and so as a family, though, they work it out because that's what family does. And so, so we put the lives of people over our personal preferences in an open and inviting way for the sake of a family that gathers together around the building of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're called to be. Because really what a family is, is family is just people that God has called for me to do life with, for you to do life with. That's what a family is, right? God is surrounded with you with a family to do life with. And so, as a family, what it means to be a family is we are believers in Christ who belong to God's family through baptism. Last night, I had the opportunity, as I said, to to baptize a mom and two children, two of her children. And through baptism, they became a part of our family here at Grace, sisters in Christ. It's an image we see throughout the scriptures that through the water and the word that we are made brothers and sisters, a family of the heavenly father so that his blood is what holds us together. And in that family, grace, we here at Grace will strive to be a church of families for families. you don't believe that, just look around you this morning. How many families do you see here this morning? And those families take on different shapes and sizes. In fact, I learned that that, that all families take on different shapes and sizes. My first year of ministry, my first day of ministry, I I showed up at Emmanuel Belvedere, came into my office, and the first person to enter into my office was a young man named Anthony Gritzmacher. And Anthony told me his story, that Anthony and his brother uh, didn't live with their parents anymore, but they lived with their grandparents because both of their parents were in prison. And that they had been living with their parents uh, for five years at that point, and ended up continuing to live with the parents through college. They have a very different kind of families. All of our families are different. Uh, families uh, that are, are those that are widows. And so families that are those that have children and families that are empty nesters and families that have, have one uh, spouse because they've lost the other spouse through divorce or, or through death. And so we just have tons of different families here at Grace. But we also have family units here at Grace and what we understand family units to be here at grace is, is our classrooms our sixth grade classroom our eighth grade classroom our kindergarten classroom that's a family club 35 jam and thrive ignite our staff celebrate recovery is a family our widows and widowers groups our g3 group our mops ministry that is starting up our men's small groups and our women's small groups those are family units And so we treat each other as family within those units so that we might extend to one another unconditional love, forgiveness, acceptance and accountability in the midst of our sins, struggles, faults and failures, celebrations and joys. We all go through those, don't we? Sins and struggles, faults and failures, celebrations and joys. And in the world today, those things are oftentimes what tears us apart. But it's God's forgiveness and grace that holds us together. In fact, I'm always reminded of this again with a wedding. I mean, think about the wedding vows. right? Those are wedding vows in the midst of this beautiful day, uh, of a, a bride in her beautiful dress, and, 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 and the, the groom in the tux, and, and everybody in their dresses, and everybody shows up smiling, and then they take their vows, right? I promise that I will be with you for better or worse, for richer or in, or in health till... Yeah, exciting vows, aren't those, right? Right? Like I will be with you when we have no money, when it is the worst day possible, when we're overstressed, when we're on death's door and you're completely sick, I promise to be with you then. Right? Like, Like that's what tears apart people, and yet when we offer God's unconditional love, forgiveness, acceptance, and accountability to others in the midst of that, that's what makes us a family. And that's who we are here at Grace. We are a family. A family that is seeking to grow in Christ while we are reaching out in love so that as baptized believers brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ, we as a family might care and love and fight alongside of and for one another so that we might see God build the kingdom of God so that we might grow as a family of faith here at Grace for the sake of lives being changed and a kingdom being built among us. And by His grace... That is what we will move towards. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about what that means then to grow in Christ and to reach out in love and the implications of that for who we are here at Grace. But let's finish our time together in a word of prayer, we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a family of faith here at Grace. And Lord, as you lead us into that picture of a preferred future that you have for us, so that we might be called to action and to live that out. Help us to be a family of faith. A family of people who are on mission in ministry together for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. To put our family over everything, knowing that, it, that the blood of Jesus is what holds us together. And we know that only by your grace is this possible as we extend love and commitment to the baptized believers around us, to our family, our family of faith, as you lead us forward as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.